0: Welcome ladies and gentlemen. This is the Saints Ready podcast. My name is Jared DeGroff, and we are broadcasting from the beautiful Siena College in Loudonville, New York. This show is where we are interviewing saints past, present and future, seeing where they got in their career, how they got there, what they've learned along the way, both good and the bad. So sit back, relax and enjoy. As we dive deeper with the Saints Ready Podcast. Well, welcome back, everyone. Again, my name is Jared, and we're here with another episode of Saints Ready. And today in the studio, it's just me, but we also have Suzanne O'Connor. So she is our guest for today, and she's the Associate Director of the Career and Internship Center. How's it going, Suzanne?
1: Good. Thanks for having me.
0: How are you feeling? Feeling better? Yeah. All right. Awesome. Um, so really, Suzanne, what we're going to do is just talk a little bit about kind of how you got to where you're Mm -hmm. at, kind of, you know, those little steps and lessons you learned along the way and, you know, maybe some advice and and things like that. So I guess first things first is, so you're the associate director of the Career and Internship Mm -hmm. Center. What do you do? What's your day to day look like?
1: What do I do? I, my favorite thing to do is to meet with students and I meet with all grades And often it's a matter of helping them make decisions about what they want to major in or where they want to intern. And sometimes they just don't even know what they're going to do with their major. So there's a variety of things that I can use to help them with that decision. Uh, Self-assessments, just information about what you can do with a major. And the biggest thing they can do, and a lot of students don't do this, is to talk to people in the field that they're interested in sure so that's called an informational interview and i'd say one out of ten students will really follow up with that but it's a great way for them to understand what a particular career is really about and um i also help them with their resumes and cover letters and graduate school essays and basically just answer any questions they have when when i i should tell you when i meet with a student they're able to schedule an appointment based on the, the topic sure. they want. But I always start my appointments with what would be most helpful to you today. Okay. Because they may have checked off resume, yep. but they really want to talk about a year from now what they might be doing. Sure.
0: They might talk about internships or something like right.
1: that. So, and I know you've also, you've been
0: here for the second longest person, I believe, in the Career Center. And that's what, 21 years?
1: I've been here for 110 years, actually. <laughs> for, forever. But yes, I started in uh 2001. Okay. Two. 2002. 2002. 2002 So 20 years. 20 20 years. years. Yeah.
0: So before you became, you know, associate director and
1: involved in the career and internship center here at Siena, what did you do? It's a really good question. Um, I like to mention that I was an English major in my undergraduate years. And when I first started school, I thought I was going to be a teacher. Okay. So I went to school in an urban setting. I grew up in a really small town, let's say, kind of sheltered, sure. and I had this dream of, of teaching happy students. So I had the English major, education minor, and in my sophomore year, I had to go and do a classroom observation, and I was terrified. <laughs> I practically ran out of the classroom screaming, sure. marched right over to my advisor and said, I'm dropping education. So then, here I was, an English major, and what was I going to do? So this is kind of prophetic. I worked with my career center hey. way back in the day, yep. and they were setting me up with interviews with businesses. Okay. And the one I got hired by is, well, now it's called Verizon, but back in the 80s it was called New York Telephone Company. Okay. And I was hired into a JET program, which means a, a management program, a training program okay. that moves you up very quickly. Yep. And I was there for five years, and it would be safe to say it was a bad fit. Okay. I hated every minute of it. <laughs> I was working with my first role was to be a, if you can believe this, a foreman in a garage oh. with telephone installers who were my father's age. Okay. And they did not take me seriously. No. On the upside, that taught me a lot about myself and I learned a lot about business. Yeah. So they also moved me around the state a couple of times, and the last time they moved me, I had just had and enough. You were done. So um, this is not something I would advise, but I quit the job without another job. Okay. And I took a summer off to recover, yep. and then I started to visit recruiters, Okay. which there's another term for that, headhunters. Yep. And that means that those individuals help a company hire people, right. which, of course, I didn't understand. And I thought uh. they were going to find me a job. Right. But the fortuitous part was one of the recruiters I interviewed with hired me. Oh, perfect. He, he liked me. We got talking. And he thought I could be successful in that role. And yep. I was. And I was there for 16 years Okay. and learned a lot. My business background helped me. But, Jared, what I realized was I really liked the part where I was sitting one-on-one with a potential candidate sure. for one of my clients, and often I was having conversations with them much like I have today
0: yeah. with students. a little different setting. Yes. but.
1: and then the other thing that was a driver for me to get into he- education was I found myself attending career days and yep. I was a member of the Human Resources Association and I was on the education committee, sure. and I thought, I think I like education. <laughs> so... I decided I was going to be a teacher again, so I started graduate school at St. Rose, and um, I did two classes. One of them was adolescent psychology, and one of them was, like, education policy, and I got an assistantship, a graduate assistantship, in the career center at St. Rose. So after barely one semester as an education major, it was like a light bulb went off. Just... And I thought I like this. And it really fit with what I had been doing because yeah. I was preparing people for interviews. Yeah. I was also the networking queen in uh, the area. Yes. So as I worked for that recruiter, yeah, I was, you got to learn everybody. I was joining every organization I could to meet yeah. people. So those are some of the skills that that's I brought awesome. to this position yeah. at Sienna. So as that I mean, was a long answer, Jeremy. It was, but that's okay. <laughs> But I think
0: it brings up a lot of good points, and I think one of the things that I, I want to talk about more is kind of your experience working with a recruiter, because I think so many students hear that term, or I had a friend that worked at Michael Page in the city, which okay. was you know, a similar sort mm-hmm. of position, and they don't necessarily understand what what that is, right? Or right. they hear headhunter, they hear recruiter, right. and a lot of people, I think, hear recruiter and think of uh, the military and getting yes. you know, enlisted yes. in active duty yes. and things like that, and Obviously, that's not the case. In my time in the Career Center, I've learned a lot more about Mm -hmm. recruiting firms. But um, how was that experience in general? I mean, like you said, they are companies that work with others Mm -hmm. that they get paid to find candidates. Right.
1: Right, so the recruiter gets paid to find candidates for them. And sometimes that occurs because it's a confidential search. They don't want their competitors to know they have an opening, or sometimes a person in the job is ultimately going to be let go, so they don't want them to know that. But other times it was just um, someone, a company didn't have the HR staff to do the recruiting. What I learned, though, was a lot of people who came to see me or to see my associates thought we were going to find them jobs. Okay. And ironically... The firm I worked for is on Route 9 in Loudonville. So many Siena students came down (laughs) and they were marketing majors or management majors and they didn't understand that we were recruiting experienced people for whatever our client companies needed. So I learned how to explain that not only to Siena students but to other people who thought we were there to help them. It looked like we helped them if we were able to set them up for an interview and a job but it's not that the company is paying us not the individual right so that's one of the differences absolutely in uh doing recruiting work
0: yeah but i again i think that's that's a, a something to note you know for a lot of students that come in and out i even had a friend the other day who was leaving a job because it wasn't at all mm-hmm. turned out to be i said why don't you reach out to some recruiters i said you have a lot of management experience mm-hmm. you would be a great candidate to see if they have any managerial roles that you might not be thinking of she right. was shoehorning herself into just looking on indeed and Mm -hmm. and job boards i'm like no i mean try to reach out maybe it'll be she i don't think she ended up doing it but um there's such a more of a valid resource at this point because they have
1: so many more connections and especially if your friend for example has a specialization right so obviously right now people who are in the it field they're in demand absolutely and they have that specialization sure and uh You bring up a point about your friend was just using Indeed or other job boards, and that's a passive way to look for a job. It needs to be included in a job search, but it shouldn't be the only way. So reaching out, whether it's to a recruiter, if you have a specialization, or to other people in the field through my favorite topic, LinkedIn, and finding out either about openings or once again, doing informational interviews with people who are in the field you want to get into. Right. So you're not asking them for a job. You're asking them to help you with career advice.
0: Right. So I was going to say, so with that informational interview, that's kind of a different term that so far none of our guests has brought up. Mm-hmm. What what would be the goal? So I know, I mean, we talk about all the time. It's learning about, you know, what this person does. But if someone wants to say reach out to, let's say they want to reach out to you mm-hmm. and ask for some information about, you know, your role besides what mm-hmm. we're talking about today, how would a student go about doing that? How would they, you know, be professional, whether it's on LinkedIn or an email or anything like that to, you know, be curious enough to
1: ask. I actually had someone do this this week (laughs) and he is a Siena student. Okay, But through the years, through my many years, I've had people who are not Siena students, people from other colleges or people who want to get into Mm -hmm. higher ed. So the professional way to do it is to, if it's through LinkedIn, to send a professional message. Sure. I'm interested in the work that you do. Would you have some time to talk to me? Yep. Same with email. Or if you do have a mutual connection, and this is one of the ways that LinkedIn can help because you see mutual connections. Right. Yep. So say, Jared, you were a famous person. Maybe and one day. You didn't have time to answer all the LinkedIn messages sure. you got, but you a person saw that I was connected to you and sure. they know me. So they could write to me and say, I really want to talk to Jared, but he's probably not going to (laughs) answer me. So could you introduce me to him? And of course, I would say yes. So that's another way to get to them. What is not advised is that you just show up at their office and expect them to be able to talk to you. Makes sense. You have to be respectful of time. Absolutely. And after you have a meeting like that, send a thank you. Absolutely. And uh, our career guide is a wonderful source of information. And in the guide, we actually have questions that you can ask in an informational interview. Okay. So the name of, of it, informational interview, actually connotes what it is. Yep. So you are talking to that person to get information about the field, not to get a job right. offer. A regular or a job interview is to get a job. Absolutely. so that's the difference
0: awesome i think that's great because i don't i think sometimes maybe that could be misconstrued with you know we have a lot of students come in our office which think as soon as they're in this interview whether it's you know predated by information or job they're kind of hoping that at the end of the day you know they're getting that piece of paper saying right. that, you know here's your official right. offer and i think so much more now is networking and talking with people mm-hmm. and just. Even maybe down the road you might meet that person again and maybe at that point it will be a job interview, but at least beforehand you had met with them, asked them about what they do and they might remember that. And right. that could also look very favorably right. Right. for you later And that's
1: on. why your interactions with them should be professional Always. all along the way. Yep, absolutely. Um, for example, one of the peer career advisors in our office is a pre-law student mm-hmm. and he set up the pre-law networking event this week. So there were lawyers and judges sure. from all over the area. It was very well attended by yep. students. And a lot of them walked away with connections for internships, right. summer opportunities, shadowing. Absolutely. And that's the way you can you can meet people.
0: Yeah. Just talk. Just right. meet with some people. Right,
1: oh, right. That's great.
0: Um, so one of the things that I always like to ask is so over your vast career, what do you think <laughs> your biggest accomplishment so far will be
1: mm. or has been? It is a vast career, Jared. Vast. It's gone many, many years. This is kind of a, a generic but not generic answer. OK. I get a lot of satisfaction from knowing I helped a student make a decision, get a job offer, feel that they have gotten some guidance. So it's all about educating students. So I'd say that is my biggest accomplishment. I'm not in higher ed to get wealthy. If I had stayed with Verizon, I would be very wealthy with stock, but I wasn't happy. And that's another piece of advice I would offer. Got to be happy. Money isn't everything. You spend most of your life at work, and you want to feel like you're contributing and helping someone along the way, whether it's a customer, in this case a student, fellow faculty members.
0: So you have great accomplishments every day.
1: Yes. Yes. Well, some days doesn't feel like it, but... (laughs) Ultimately, that's the goal, it right? Does. right? Yeah. right. Well,
0: that's good, though. I mean, and I think that's a lot of students got to understand that our office, the career and internship office, that's what everyone is there to do. Mm-hmm. Everyone's probably biggest accomplishment is helping that student right. and getting that thank you card later on saying, hey, thanks, Suzanne, for mm-hmm. your help. You know, I got the job at wherever. Yeah. And those are the moments that really mean a lot. And if you're ever in the office, you'll see that there are some cards around the mm-hmm. office and in everyone's personal offices mm-hmm. that from students that have done just that. And that really is what brings, you know, most of the career counselors, Deb and Suzanne and and everybody, the... the... Satisfaction. Right.
1: Jared, I'm smiling as you say this because when I was in graduate school, one of my professors had worked in career offices and she told us to save those thank yous Mm -hmm. in a folder or somewhere. And when you're having a really bad day, pull them out and read them. And I have done that before. And not everyone does write thank yous. And it really it really highlights them in your life. So if a student did that with me, I would be much more apt 3 years down the road I would remember Absolutely. they sent me a thank you and not that I wouldn't help someone who reached out to me, right. but I'll know that they're extremely professional individuals. Yep. And it
0: just it means that much more, right? right? It just I have a few cards from people that I've helped, whether not in this career, mm-hmm. but in another one, that I keep very close to where I work when I'm at my house. At my house, And um, yeah, if it's a tough day or you know things kind of wearing on me, I look at them like, yeah, I remember that. Yeah. And it yeah. drives you that much more to to keep on the path right. of what you're trying to do. Right. So I think that's a super important
1: thing. And on the topic of thank yous, we educate our students that when they have a job interview, yep. that's an absolutely necessary part absolutely. of the interview. And I often ask them, what do you think is... More appropriate, an email thank you or a handwritten thank you? Actually, both answers are correct, right. but it's all about timing. Yep. So if you just had an interview and they said, oh, our boss is off for a week, you won't hear from us until April 20th, then handwritten. handwritten. Yep. But if they say today's Friday, we're making a decision over the weekend, then you send an email thank email. you. But it can really distinguish two equally talented candidates. The Absolutely. one that sends the thank you is usually the one that gets the job. Yep.
0: Cause it just shows you went that extra mm-hmm. that little bit of an right. extra mile
1: right exactly
0: so kind of bringing it back to the career um what do you think would have been your hardest part to overcome so you had spoke earlier about how you know that fit at verizon mm-hmm. and new york telephone wasn't exactly you know your cup of
1: tea
0: mm-hmm. um now would, would you say that was your hardest part in your career or has there been others that you know you've kind of had to struggle through to get where you sure. are today
1: Verizon was definitely the hardest part. I didn't know myself then. No I was literally just out of college. Yep. I was working with all older people, older mm-hmm. than me, and a lot of men. And this was in the early 80s, and yeah. things were kind of different, different then. Yeah. So I was really, quite frankly, miserable. <laughs> but back then, you didn't quit jobs. So as I said, I stayed five years. Yeah. But it was not the highlight of my life, <laughs> those right. five years. The second thing that was a challenge was I really loved when I worked for the recruiting firm. It was a small firm. We all supported each other, a lot of humor, but, and people should know this if they're interested in recruiting, it's really a sales function. You work on commission and that can be challenging. So it was financially challenging. Like some years I was rich and some years I was struggling. So that's really what led me to a career change in my early forties, was I wanted to work somewhere where there was some stability. Yep. And I really don't regret for a minute that I came to Siena. I yeah. feel like I'm really, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. Right. And, and it's a really, yes, it's my calling. It's a really good fit. Awesome. And now one
0: of the things I know we've talked about, not on the air, mm-hmm. but was getting your master's later in life. How, right. how was that?
1: <laughs> that was, I was so ready to get a master's okay. that I was, I was a nerd. I was. I always did the homework. Sure. I was always raising my hand. Yeah, and it was very fulfilling for me. Okay. However, anyone, Jared, who's yeah, considering me, yeah. a master's <laughs> while they're working, yeah. you have to be aware that it's it's going to be a challenge. Yeah. I can remember being at family parties, locked in somebody's bedroom studying yeah. while everybody else was down having cake. Yeah. All right. But uh, oh, what was I going to say? The getting the master so I as I said I was in my early 40s and right. most of the students were more traditionally aged college students Sure, and I can remember one day walking into a class sitting down and talking to the young guy behind me and I said man I was up so late doing the reading and he said you do the reading <laughs> and it was really a wake-up call and that was when I was still in education and yeah. I thought this guy's going to be a teacher, and he's (laughs) not even doing his homework. But um, you have to learn as a working professional. You have to learn to balance the coursework you're doing with your job and keep them separate yeah so it's it's a challenge but to answer your question it was very fulfilling for yeah. me plus i was studying something that i was really interested right.
0: in and i feel like at that point you know masters in general you're so getting into what you want to do right. that they become it's not just you're taking the core classes you're not just taking right. that random history class because it fulfills a requirement mm-hmm. it's all stuff that you hopefully are caring right. about and it's right. meaningful yes because. Again, that's something that I'm going to be doing. Right. And,
1: and Jared's going for an MBA. I know. Folks. I know. I know. <laughs> it's going to be a great
0: time. Um, but I definitely would have stayed, you know, if, I, if Sienna had offered that when I was here. Right. It was in accounting. It wasn't right. necessarily in marketing and the other concentrations. I 100% would have stayed. Right. But that was, you know, something that I thought about. So well, how am I going to do it now? I'm going to be almost 10 years out of school. Right. And how's that going to be? Is it going to be different? And I, when I was in class here, I remember having some non-traditional students in my class and gave them a ton of credit mm-hmm. because I can only imagine how hard and or how different that right. was coming right. back the second time.
1: And I'm glad we're talking about this because some of the students I work with here have this perception that you have to go to grad school and you have to go right after you finish here at Siena. For some people, that's true yep. if you're going to be... Uh, an accountant, you sure. have to ultimately get your, your additional hours and get your right. CPA if you're going to be a public accountant. But the students that don't know what they want to do, graduate school is not a place to find yourself. No. you, you want, And that's why going out and working yeah. can really be beneficial, Absolutely. along with taking what some people call a gap year or yeah. years to give their psyche a rest from, being, from studying constantly. Yeah. And the other advantage is if you don't know what you want to do and then you figure it out like I did, Right. it, it can really be fulfilling. Right. When I graduated in 1980 <laughs> from undergrad, right. I wanted nothing to do with more studying right. at that point. I, I developmentally wasn't there, but at the time I made the decision, it was absolutely the right thing. Because right.
0: really at that point, I mean you're coming from high school and mm-hmm. and all of secondary school, you know, so 12 plus years of school plus another four of undergrad, mm-hmm. I mean you're 16 years in, and that could be the last thing you want right. to do is another exactly. couple of years or exactly. if you're going for a doctor, mm-hmm.
1: another
0: additional 10, 12, mm-hmm. however long it takes right. to get. It's right. it's very daunting. So, I mean, yeah, definitely take the break and maybe you'll end up at a company that actually helps exactly. with helps your education funding. too, right. which is right. obviously a huge benefit. And maybe that extra little push that would make you go and right. maybe get something that you always wanted. Right. Exactly. So I think exactly. that's some good advice. You can always take that break and always, always come back later. So... Actually leads into the good question uh, that I always ask too is, so what would be your biggest piece of advice? Now, this could be something that you tell students that you Mm -hmm. currently see or even just in life in general that you've learned along the way for for general advice, but what would you think that would be?
1: Trust rather than worry. Okay. And what I mean by that is, and I often say this phrase to mostly students is you're going to figure it out. Yep. And when students at this point in the year, seniors, looking at five weeks from now, graduation, there's often a lot of anxiety because they don't know or they don't have a job and they think that they're failures. They're not failures. There are plenty of options to start with and getting all worried about it doesn't help you along the way. And if you start, this is another thing I say, your first job out of Siena, is your first job out of Siena. Exactly. You are not getting married to it. No. You are not going to work for thirty years and get a gold watch. It's your first step out. And it will teach you something and lead you to the next step after yep. that. So in answer to your question, trust rather than worry that you're going to figure it out.
0: Well, that makes a lot of sense. I know so many of my classmates when I was here, some had jobs, some didn't. That was the that was the hot topic. It was what are we going to do after school? Mm-hmm. And where are you working? Mm -hmm. And, you know, it was across the board. Some people had jobs, some people had some great ones, some intros into these big name companies Mm -hmm. that we hear all the time. And others were I'm taking a break or Mm -hmm. I'm going back to where I, you know, worked last summer and and figuring it out. You know, I was again, I was lucky enough to have an internship during my senior year that led into a job two days after graduation. But I stayed there only six more months
1: and hence one of the important reasons to intern, especially yeah. as a senior. It can either lead you to a job offer or yep. you're building that network with people in your field who can Absolutely. refer you elsewhere. Right. And regarding the this time of year, and when I work with students, I try to help them to prepare for this conversation. So, for example, this coming week is Easter and yeah. Passover, and you're going to be sitting around the table with all those aunts questions. and uncles, and they say, oh, what are you going to do when you graduate? Oh, yeah. And I often ask students that in an appointment in my office. They just kind of look deer in the headlights. Yeah, you he freeze up. And I encourage them to say something as specific as they can. Right. You know, I'm a health studies major, and I'm looking at positions in hospital administration. Even if that's not the only thing they're looking at. Sure. At least they have an answer. And yep. sometimes that answer will have something click in Aunt Mary's mind. Right. And she will say, you know, my next door neighbor works yep. at Albany Med and
0: Then you make so, that connection right, and you have right. that information right. session exactly. and you know, exactly. You start doing the whole process. You know, it is a lot of students get that and a lot I mean, I got that. Even, mm-hmm. even now. So what are you gonna do about that? <laughs> Not entirely sure yet. Thanks yes. for asking. And that's off. okay. Right. That's okay to have
1: that that's answer. That's totally all right. And, and I was listening to the podcast with Jenna Kirsten. That yes. was, I think, a couple of weeks ago. It was. And I think I heard her say that when she was a senior in high school, mm-hmm. her guidance counselor said, what do you mean you don't know what you want to do? You're 17 yeah. years old. Yeah. And I find that as people go through life, they get pressured. Absolutely. And the analogy I can make is if you're dating someone. Sure. And, and it's a little while. Your family or somebody may say, "So when are you getting engaged? When yep. are you getting married? And then that time comes, you get married. What's when, the next question, Jerry? When you're having kids. When you're having kids. Oh, yeah. And I just want to say, relax. Yeah, <laughs> Everybody's happen. story is different.
0: Right. It'll happen when it happens. Right. Exactly. Right. And, you know, you can't compare yourself to, to others in that mm-hmm. sense. And, you know, maybe you do work a job for a year and maybe mm-hmm. it's great. Or maybe mm-hmm. it's, you know, like you were saying, wasn't exactly right. fit for you. And you make the change. I mean. Right. I made a change at you know, 29 and mm-hmm. I was terrified of that, but it's, so far, it's <laughs> working out all right, but um, it, it all works out in the end and you end up in a weird cosmic way getting to where you're supposed to be. Yeah. And I think that there is a ton of pressure, whether it's institutional pressure mm-hmm. from where you're at and... You know, I love the Career and Internship Center, and there's a ton of resources, but I can see how it's stressful for some students when they come in, like, oh, so what do you want to do? And, you know, a lot of the counselors, Suzanne included, ask similar questions. They have these mock interviews, which can be mm-hmm. a student's really first intro into what that is like, mm-hmm. which I've heard are harder than the real thing, but gets you prepared, and they're going to ask questions that you may not normally think right. about. What's your biggest weakness? You right. know, all those typical interview questions that. I mean, in a normal day to day as a student, I was never asked just random professor, so what's your biggest strength?
1: It's mm-hmm.
0: a good question, I don't know. Um, but you start thinking about right. that. And it, you know, like you said, you get the gears turning, you get thinking about it, and maybe then that'll start changing things. Right. Or again, it's that networking here. So mm-hmm. there's a, obviously a ton of professors, whether they've been here forever or not, that may or may not have been forever in education right. or coming from a different career. And they might, again, Absolutely. know some people and you might spark an idea and there again, you might have a question. So, I think it just goes to show that whatever your plan is, it can doesn't have to look like anyone else's.
1: And it it's probably going to change. Yes, too. almost probably because you're going to have a different lens that you're looking through yeah. as time goes by.
0: And what you think might be perfect right as leaving school, once you start kind of getting into the mm-hmm. nitty gritty of it, sometimes changes. Right. So. I think that's, that's super important advice. So normally I would do a, a social media dive. I didn't get a chance, unfortunately, to do that with you. And I, I did kind of search a little bit and, you know, not a whole lot. But um, mm-hmm. another question we always like to ask is, you know, what is your single greatest moment while being at Siena? Could be personal, could mm-hmm. be not, could be
1: general. But what what sticks out? Last year I was honored by... The Student Life Office, because students nominated me as, I forgot the name of the award, but the uh, Administrator of the Year. Okay. That was it. And that, just to be recognized, and because students nominated me, that meant a lot to
0: me. Yeah, that's awesome. So, what, um, did they give you a reason as to why? Did they give any...
1: I think I know why, but it was you weren't as an award recipient, you weren't informed as to who nominated you, but I had worked very, very closely with a group of Muslim students. Okay. And another side of my life is that I am an ordained interfaith minister. Oh, so I was working with them to have the experience of working with a different faith tradition than my own, which is Christian. Sure. And I worked with them for a solid year and we shared a lot and learned from each other. So I, I do think that was why. Okay. And I like the fact that I'm able to bring in what I learned in seminary into some of the things that I've gotten involved in at Siena.
0: Awesome. Well see, that was something I definitely did not know. Mm-hmm. I did not know you were an mm-hmm. ordained minister. That's
1: because I don't have Reverend Suzanne O'Connor on my nameplate or my business card. <laughs> not, yet. <laughs> not yet. Now right.
0: now we're gonna have to put that into work order. <laughs> Get that going. <laughs> but um so I think that actually also leads into a, another very inter- interesting question. So why did you want to do that?
1: Really good question. I, as trite as this is going gonna, is gonna to sound, I felt called to do something sure. in the spiritual realm. Okay. And as a Catholic, mm-hmm. I knew I could not be a priest because I'm female. Yep. So I started to explore other options, and I really liked It's called One Spirit Interfaith Seminary, okay. and I liked it because it was interfaith. Yep. Our class was very, very diverse, and it was more experiential, and this should be of interest to young people. I also feel called to work with young people sure. who know there's something out there, there's yep. something spiritual out there, but they don't know how to connect with it. Mm-hmm. And often, it's young people will make the statement of spiritual but not religious. Yep. And they are referring to I'm not a part of any institutional religion or right. faith tradition or church. Yep. So I want to be a connector, again, a guide, a guide. not that I'm ever going to tell anyone what they should believe or sure. what they should do. But guide. so that was part of my part of my motivation. That's awesome.
0: So I think that also kind of comes into we've met with a lot of people, you know, in the podcast so far. Mm-hmm. And so many of our guests have had what I would call their main career. Right? Mm-hmm. So you're a career counseling. Right. And then you're, I don't want to call it a hobby, but right. something that is also ultimately fulfilling. Right. Right. So your spiritual side that that people connector in that spiritual realm is probably a little bit different in the sense of it's fulfilling in a very different way. Exactly. And I think that's also important for a lot of people to know is that you don't necessarily have to have just that one thing. Right. You can, you're multiple faceted people, right? We're all mm-hmm. not just cookie cutter right. made to work and, and go home and that's it. You can have different avenues you can have different interests and mm-hmm. in a very different um i don't want to say life after work yeah. but kind of yeah. right yes. and it was funny because even yesterday so i i do personal training right. and i change before i leave sienna and <sighs> you know i come out i have a couple tattoos and <laughs> suzanne's like boy got a couple tattoos it's like yeah well, you know kind, kind of sorta of. but um you know my other my other hobby is mm-hmm. is working again working with people right. in a very different setting not necessarily behind desks and books but mm-hmm. in a gym and a, a very personal setting and that's another fulfilling part of right. of my world right. and I think it's super important for people to know that you can still focus on a hobby on whether it's you know paid unpaid mm-hmm. just for yourself for anybody else while you're still working and right. that you're not just one-sided
1: and that, I'm glad you brought that up because that could be fulfilling. It's right. not what your career path is right, right now, yep. your day job, so to speak. Correct. But I'm assuming when you were here at Siena, you didn't think, I'm going to graduate and become a personal trainer full oh, time. Not, no. But it's clearly an interest you have and right. something you're good at. Yep. So that's the part that I often encourage students to do because they may not – We're not all at our day jobs and doing cartwheels every day and being happy all the time. Always good and bad. So it's important to have something that is fulfilling to you in your life, so-called on the side. Sure. And that was, you know,
0: that for me at least started when I was working in a different career where I didn't feel very fulfilled on a Mm day-to-day. I was working in an industry that, similar to you, I was a a young man in a very older demographic Mm -hmm. field and trying to direct and lead in a way that it was challenging at first because they'd had 30, 35 years on me and really didn't believe in much of what I had to Mm -hmm. say until I proved myself. It was a weird, you know, initiation sort of thing. Like I had to prove myself that I knew something, but I wasn't super fulfilled and not every day was a cakewalk Mm -hmm. there. So I found training uh, because I was already there. I was already doing it for me in the sense that that was kind of my little peace and quiet time. And at the same time, I got to help people. And it's weird now because in a different way, you know, I'm now in an office which works with students and helps people almost daily. Mm -hmm. And that is also a fulfilling part to me. So now things are starting to merge. I'm starting to find that direction. But it came after, you know, five, six years after being in school. It's not something that I left Siena, like you said, and was like, oh, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to be a part time personal trainer and work at the career and internship center. That wasn't never in my head Mm -hmm. at that time. But I think ultimately it's important to try those things, and I think that also goes back to your point of advice and to trust yourself. Right. And right. if you want to make something work, it will work. Right. And if you put enough mental power, clarity, and you want it to happen, you almost kind of will it to right. happen. That's right. That's so right. I think that that was a that was a super good tie-in. So with that, um, Suzanne, this is where we give the the guest a couple minutes to talk about what's going on in their world, anything that's exciting news. Um, we have a LinkedIn contest coming mm-hmm. up that is tomorrow, but no, today Oh, that's
1: today's right. today. the deadline today is Friday. to submit your LinkedIn profile
0: um, and hopefully you hear this on the same day. Let's, hopefully <laughs> I get my editing done in time, but anyway, what else is going on in the world of
1: Suzanne, Sienna college,
0: the floor is yours.
1: Honestly, I can see the light at the end of the tunnel. Okay. I also teach here. I teach an exploring careers course. Yep. And that also takes some planning and energy in addition to the day-to-day that I do. And I love it. However, when a semester starts, even in September when the year starts, it's like getting shot out of a cannon. And you don't really come down for a landing until the semester breaks. So at the risk of sounding like a lazy person, I do look forward to when the semester is over. It gives the professionals a chance to breathe to do a lot of planning for what we're going to do with students next year and to not have as many evening commitments because as a counselor I speak in a lot of classes my colleagues do as well and sometimes they're at seven o'clock at night yep and as much as I love it it makes for a long day
0: sure it does so that's awesome so we get to kind of wrap up the school year like Suzanne said we got a ton of planning try to provide the best Mm -hmm. stuff for students in the upcoming year and semesters and um so we'll call it the episode there. So thank you very much, oh. Suzanne, for stopping by. We appreciate it. Unfortunately, we had our, our guest co-host was not feeling super well today, so she got a reprieve. <laughs> but um, thank you so much for coming and My sharing pleasure. that time and uh, sharing your words of wisdom.
1: Thank you for having me, too. Absolutely,
0: and we'll see everyone again on the next episode.